Welcome to the Grace at a Glance podcast from Grace Church of Linnets and Grace Creative. We are a Jesus church where the gospel is central, where we love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. Thanks for joining us. Church. Good to be here with you guys. You guys look great this morning. I feel like I say that a lot. Before I forget, I just want to say a prayer for the Ukraine and the war there. Can we, can we pray together for a moment just so I don't forget to do that this morning? God, we just thank you for the safety that you've blessed us with, and we pray for those who are not safe. We pray for every man who's been left to fight, for every woman and child and mother and father who have fled, and we just pray that you would bring peace to this conflict. And we just love you and we trust you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be here with you guys. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors. If I don't know you already, if you're new or, or you've been here a couple of times, welcome. So good to have you this morning. So good to worship with you. We're in a series called The Disciple, and this is the third week in this series and we've been talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we are now this morning going to talk about a vital part of discipleship called transformation. It's life change. We're talking this morning about how God changes us from who we were to all that he wants us to be. The New Testament talks a fair amount about God changing us. As we journey through life, we become more and more like Jesus. And that's the journey of discipleship. And sometimes it's not easy to become like Jesus. Sometimes it's difficult to move forward. And there are areas in our lives at times that make it very difficult to overcome. And for some of us, maybe this morning we need deliverance from something specific in our lives that is standing in the way of us moving forward in our spiritual journey. Others of us maybe are at a place where we've been walking with God for a very long time, and it is healthy for us to ask the question, am I still growing? Am I still growing? What's God teaching me? Because maybe for some of us, we don't know what God's teaching us, and we haven't really known for quite a while. And so evaluating, am I still moving forward, is a really healthy thing to do. Have I stalled out in my spiritual development? Many years ago, I went and I visited Haiti for the very first time. My wife and I had some missionary friends there, and I had been on staff with Mark, the the man, the husband, for a few years, and we were very close, and they became missionaries in Jeremy, Haiti. And so my wife and I went down to visit them, and this was before we did any missions trips there, which we did in later years, but our first time ever there, we just visited our friends to see their mission compound, to see what they were doing. And it was my first time ever in a third world country. And it was very eye-opening and alarming for me in many ways. And when we got there, our friends Mark and Lacey had borrowed this Rottweiler. They were breeding dogs, and they borrowed this male Rottweiler. And they were returning it back to its owner across the city of Jeremy, Haiti. Now, Haitians, and some of you probably know this, but Haitians are not used to seeing dogs of that size. And so... 
as we loaded the dog in the truck and we started to drive through town, everybody's looking at this massive dog in the back of the pickup truck. Now, it had poured rain the night before. It rained like crazy. And in the city of Jeremy, Haiti, there is no irrigation system, or there is no, uh, there's no system for removing water from the roads. And the roads are, are just dirt, and there are tons of massive pits that you drive through in intersections because it's just been worn away. And so when it rains this much, intersections fill with water. And some fill way up with water. And as we're driving through the city of Jeremy, Haiti, we come to this intersection, dogs in the back. I am like already in shock because I've never been in a third world country before. There's UN soldiers with machine guns on corners. I'm just like a little freaked out. And we get to this intersection and the water is waist high in this intersection. And Mark pulls in slowly so that the water doesn't get into the engine. And he's trying to get through this intersection, but he is stopped because right in front of us comes walking this Haitian man pulling two bulls by a rope. Now, if you've never seen this in Lancaster County, it's because it's not a thing here, but apparently there it is. He's pulling these two bulls through this intersection, and they just kind of stop there. And the bulls are like refusing to move because there's water up to their bellies. And so we're sitting here in front of these two bulls, Rottweilers in the back, and Mark starts beeping the horn, beep, 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 trying to get these animals moving again. And I'm just like this passive observer. This is crazy. I'm just watching all this. And much to my dismay, I hear this big splash next to me, and I turn and I see that the dog has jumped out of the back of the pickup truck and is now swimming toward the bulls barking and snarling and paddling. And Mark says to me the three words that I wanted to hear least in this world. And those were, help me out, Mike. I'm just like, I've never been in a third world country, man. I don't have a clue what's going on here. How in the world am I going to help you? And in this moment of, of, of fear and adrenaline, I opened the door, I jumped out, I waded through the water. Now, by the time I get to this dog, who I don't know this dog, the, these bulls had gone up onto the embankment, and the dog is at their heels barking and snarling. And I'm just like, I'm going to help Mark out. So I, I, I wade up, I get up onto this embankment. Now, the Haitian man who was, who was pulling the bulls, he's gone. He ran down the road. He's afraid of either his bulls or the dog or both. I don't know. But I get up to this dog, and I'm thinking, all right, I've got to help Mark out. And, and so I'm thinking alpha male, like God made you big and strong for a reason. And so I, what? <laughs> so I, I get up to this dog, and I'm yelling at it, sit, lay down. I'm just trying to get the dog to quit attacking the bulls before it gets creamed. And so I grab this dog, this massive dog that I don't know, and I push it down to the ground to get it in like a submissive position. And, I'm, and it stops barking. Thankfully, it didn't bite me. And I'm holding it there, and I'm look, I look up, and there are two angry bulls 18 inches from my face. <laughs> and finally, Mark comes from behind, and he grabs the dog, puts it in the pickup truck, ties it up this time. Thank you, Mark. And we get in and we start moving forward through Jeremy Haiti again. 
A study done by Dr. Ross Rainey found that more than a, a, a study of more than 11,000 Christian church attenders found that more than 25% of believers have stopped moving forward in their spiritual development. Either something has gotten in the way like a bull, or they've just stalled out in their spiritual lives. And so my question to you today is, are you moving forward? Are you moving forward in your spiritual journey? Or, or is there something in your life that you just cannot seem to overcome? Or have you been walking with Jesus a very long time and without even realizing it, you've kind of stalled out and, and found yourself on the sidelines not really actively growing anymore? The journey of discipleship isn't easy and oftentimes we stop moving in our spiritual lives like a pickup truck in a flooded intersection. But God wants to make us more like Jesus. As Dan preached, the disciple becomes like his master. And God wants to make us more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29, Paul says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's us. He predestined us to be changed into the likeness of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about the veil that is over the spiritual eyes of non-believers. And he says, and we, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Progressively, step by step, from one degree of glory to another, we're being changed to be more like Jesus. So God doesn't expect perfection from us. He doesn't expect us to have it all together right now, or it would not be from glory to glory. It wouldn't be a journey. It's step by step. God is slowly, over time, forming you to be like Jesus. So this morning, we're going to look at two passages. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 5. And out of these two passages, we're, passages, we are going to pull out four principles for discipleship so that God can get us moving forward in our spiritual lives in a fresh way this morning. So the first passage as we look at the Bible is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 11 here. And Paul says to the Ephesian church, So Christ himself, yeah! Amen. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So there are various perspectives on verse 11 here. The apest, apostles, pro, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Various interpretations of who verse 11 is referring to. And we're not going to get into all that right now. But it's relatively undisputed who verse 12 is referring to, and that's what we're going to focus on. To equip his people for works of service. Verse 12 refers to all of us, to all of God's people. You and I, we are being equipped for works of service. The ESV, the English Standard Version, says it this way, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers exist to equip everyone to do the work of ministry. The work of ministry is everyone's job. 
So your pastors exist primarily not to do the work of ministry, but to lead and equip you to do the work of ministry. Ministry is everyone's job. And Paul says to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. What does it mean to be built up? One scholar says it's the act of one who promotes another's growth. The purpose of the work of ministry is to build each other up, to help each other grow. Because discipleship, and this is our first principle, discipleship requires community. Discipleship requires community. The CEV, Contemporary English Version, says it this way, his body, that his body would grow strong. See, we grow and are transformed as a result of one another. And you won't become all that God wants you to be by yourself. The opposite is also true. The body of Christ needs you because your transformation is for the purpose of helping me grow, us grow. We help each other. The body of Christ needs you. Paul says to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Your personal transformation is for the purpose of building other people up. Discipleship requires community. And then he goes on in verse 13. He says, until, until we all reach unity in the faith. Until we all reach unity in the faith. Until we all reach what? Until we all reach what? Unity. Unity. One more time. What? What are we reaching? That's right. Now, Paul could have said maturity. He could have said a lot of things. But he said unity in this passage. Unity is one of the goals of spiritual development. Because disunity is a primary, the, I would say the, Primary weapon. Disunity is the primary weapon that Satan uses to derail the body of Christ. Each of the four churches that I have served at has experienced the devastation that disunity causes. And I'll bet many of you have too. Disciples develop a fierce resolve for unity. That's our second principle. Disciples develop a fierce resolve for unity. Some of you remember John chapter 17 when Jesus prays an extensive prayer. And he prays for you and I. He prays for those who would believe through the, apostle, the apostles' testimony. And that's us. And there is a singular focus to his prayer. Does anybody remember what that singular focus is? It's unity. Unity, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. That's what Jesus prays for, for us. And over time, the disciple of Jesus gains a conviction of unity's immense importance. And we're no longer willing to be a part of conversations that erode trust in other people, especially in leaders. And we're no longer, we no longer choose to gossip or, or to let gossip go unchecked, but we're willing to lovingly confront it and say, hey, you should be talking to the person that you're upset with. Do you know what gossip is? I think this warrants a definition. I think this will be helpful for us. Gossip is any 
conversation is speaking in a way that erodes trust, confidence, or respect in someone else. Gossip is speaking in a way that erodes trust, confidence, or respect for someone else. It can be as simple as expressing displeasure with a leadership decision. Now, why is that gossip? Because it erodes trust. And trust is the foundation for unity. And so it doesn't really matter if I couch it in a prayer request. It doesn't matter if I'm just super, super burdened and I just feel like I need to get this off my chest. I need support. I got to tell a friend. I, I just, I, I need someone to care for me here because I'm hurting. If I speak in a way that erodes trust, confidence, or respect for someone else, I am gossiping. Now, there are safe people. If I don't know what to do, and I'm like, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to confront the person. I'm just really, you know, I, I'm nervous. I'm hurting. There are safe people to talk to, but they're usually not a part of your faith community. They're not a part of your church 99.9% .9 of the time because when you talk in this way to someone who's a part of your church, it erodes trust, and trust is the foundation for unity. The safe person is maybe your spouse. It's usually somebody who does not have any kind of relational or formal connection with the person that you've been hurt by. Otherwise, you know who the best person to talk to is? You know who the right person to talk to is? You can guess, right? It's the person that you're upset with. It's the person that you're bothered by. And that's hard. In, in my two years here, I'm just going to be super honest with you guys. In my two years here at this church, I have, I have heard way too many unhealthy conversations. I've heard way too many conversations confidence, respect in other people, and especially in leaders. And if we're going to be disciples, we must develop a greater resolve for unity. If we're going to not allow Satan to derail the wonderful things that God is doing. You know, we had another person put his faith in Christ this week. 11 baptisms scheduled for Easter so far. God's doing great things, but you know what's going to mess all that up and derail everything that God is doing and wants to do in the future? It's the erosion of trust. It's the enemy taking conversations that erode unity and using them to mess things up. And so, church, we must grow in this area. Unity chooses to trust God with who he's put in leadership. Doesn't mean you never challenge but you trust God with who he's put in leadership. And you know what that does mean? It means that if you have a problem with something a leader says or does, you go to the leader. And that's scary. I get it. But it's the right thing to do. You know what the wrong thing to do is just to go to your friend or your group or your ABF. Like That is divisive. The right thing to do is to go to the leader and to say, hey, I, I'm uncomfortable with this decision or, or, or with what you said or with what you did. Because that doesn't erode trust on a broad scale. It, it resolves the issue. It gives them the opportunity to either help you understand or repent and apologize. And that's a healthy conversation. Disciples develop a fierce resolve for unity. Trust is the foundation of unity.
Disciples are committed to entering into healthy conflict right away. And this happens in private. I remember at my last church, I was talking with a group of people, and I was challenging them on a way that we needed to change, a way that we, we really needed to, to get better as a church. And one of our leaders felt, just felt really uncomfortable with the way that I said it. He felt scolded by me. He felt like I was way too harsh. And so a few months later, he called me and he's like, hey, Mike, can we get coffee? And I'm like, sure, absolutely. So we got together and he said, I, this isn't just to catch up. I have something on my heart. And he said, over the last few months, ever since this meeting where you talked about this issue, I've been increasingly frustrated with the little things that you say and do. And it's because during this meeting, I felt scolded by you. I felt like you were way too harsh. And he gave me the chance to apologize. And I did. And we were restored, and things were good, and we moved forward together. And you know what he didn't do is he didn't go to his friends. He didn't go to, to other people. He went to me when he realized this isn't something I can just kind of get past on my own and, and forgive without a conversation. It took him a few months to realize that, and then he did the right thing. And so church, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have got to do the right thing. We've got to go to the person we're bothered by, even if, and especially if, it's someone in leadership. We won't bite you hard. We won't bite you. And you know, the fortunate thing is, you've got some leaders who respond great to confrontation. Pastor Dan, Pastor Tim, I've seen it on several occasions. They respond great to confrontation. And so, we, we, we got to do the right things with each other and with those that God has placed in leadership. I get it. I mean, some of you have been at this church for decades or more, and now we're in this season of rapid change. And there are a lot of things that are hard. Like, I, I can't understand how some of you are feeling. It's like these young people have hijacked your church, and now we're just changing stuff. And, 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 I, and probably some of it doesn't make any sense. Why would you change this and that? And so when that happens and something's uncomfortable for you and, and you have a question or you feel like, ah, this isn't a good change, the right thing to do is to come and talk to us or talk to no one or talk to your Aunt Susie who lives in Mexico or Illinois or somewhere off the grid because the wrong thing to do is to go and talk to your friends who are attending Grace Church and, and weren't uncomfortable and upset, but now they are because of the conversation that you've had with them and that's wrong. And that is the spark that lights the fire that burns down the forest of what God is doing at Grace Church. Disciples develop a fierce resolve for unity. Verse 13, Paul goes on, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And we, are, we reach our third principle, is that disciples are learning to speak truth from a heart of love. Disciples are learning to speak truth from a heart of love. See, love without truth is, is ignorant. It's confused. The boundaries are whatever I decide that they're going to be. 
But truth without love is harsh. It's rude. It's unhelpful. It's a clanging symbol, and it does not invite a positive response. But like two wings of an airplane, you need both. You need both. It's dangerous to fly with one wing. There will be casualties. And disciples are growing in the ability to have both wings of the plane because they're learning to speak truth from a heart of love. You know who's excellent at this? It's Pastor Dan is excellent at this. I have seen him speak truth in a moment out of a completely unjudgmental heart time and time again. When someone has a, a, a moment where their thinking is, is not right or, or is unbiblical or is not healthy, like it just, it just set, says it. And it doesn't, doesn't feel offensive to most people. It, it doesn't come from a heart of judgment. He's great at this. Disciples are learning to speak truth from a heart of love. And the last one, and we're going to spend a little time on this one, is that disciples say yes to the Holy Spirit's voice. Disciples say yes to the Holy Spirit's voice. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The New Living Translation says it this way, let your, the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Because life as a disciple is more than just trying to follow the rules of the Bible. It's about a relationship with the Holy Spirit who directs. So Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Now, why does he use the metaphor walk? Why does he say walk? Why does he just say live? Well, I believe because the Spirit guides us one step at a time. And as we step, each step represents a choice. But the Holy Spirit is inviting us to the next step. And that's why it's a relationship where we walk step by step in response to the Holy Spirit. Because life in the Spirit is a step-by-step journey. And you can choose to move forward like a pickup truck on the streets of Haiti, or you can stop with an obstacle in the way or derailed in a state of standstill in your spiritual development. We can choose to follow and respond in obedience and love. And this is a pivotal component to the journey of discipleship because it's a relationship. The Bible calls the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. You know, so we can't understand this concept of a triune God, but it's all one God. And as we are in relationship with Jesus, really, we're in relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's the one inside of us. He's the one guiding us. He's the great comforter. And so as God is comforting us and leading us, he's doing it by his Spirit. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And disciples say yes to the Holy Spirit's voice if we want to start moving forward again. In verse 17, Paul goes on, he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I remember teaching my kids when they were little that we all have a tendency to sin, is what I would say. And for some reason, I just have uh, my son's little four-year-old voice kind of ingrained in my mind. We all have a tendency to sin. It was how I, I taught it to my kids because... As, even as believers, we are, we are 
being transformed from this tendency to sin. And as non-believers, we were enslaved to it. We couldn't not do it. But as Christians, God has written the law of love on our hearts. We've been set free. And we won't be perfect this side of heaven, but we can choose as the Holy Spirit reveals things in our lives to say yes and take another step. It's not always easy, but we can choose Jesus. And Paul says in verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, this is critical because there is a big difference between focusing on rules and focusing on a relationship. And we've talked quite a bit about this in the last few months. Now, Paul's talking about the law of Moses here. You're not under the law of Moses because first century Jewish people being saved were confused because they had followed the law of Moses as God's people all their lives, and now they're, they're putting their faith in Christ, and, and now they don't have to follow it? So that was confusing to them. I don't think we struggle with that specifically. But what we do struggle with is very similar, and it's called a law mentality. And we are all recovering legalists. We're all recovering legalists. A law mentality says, Focus on doing this and not doing that. And it says to try really hard. A law mentality only works for a little while until we fail and we judge ourselves and then we feel bad about ourselves and so we judge other people because misery loves company. The judgmental person is actually yet to have grace for themselves. Law mentality only works for a little while until I fail. But when we're led by the Holy Spirit, it's centered around a relationship. And that's completely different. It's a relationship, one step at a time. Law requires perfection. Following all the rules of the Bible or of the New Testament, if you're a, a Christian. But the Spirit requires a yes response to the thing that He's showing you right now, today. The law says, here is a long list of commands. Try harder. It says, you're messed up. Get yourself together, you filthy, wretched sinner. But the Holy Spirit says, beloved one, holy one, saint, just follow me. Say yes to me. Walk with me. Enjoy me. Love me. It's a relationship. So Holy Spirit's expectation is not that you will perfectly follow all of the Bible's rules. Does that sound like heresy? The Holy Spirit's expectation is not that you will perfectly follow all of the Bible's rules. His expectation is that you will say yes to the thing in your life that he is showing you today. When I was a new believer, I was 19 years old, I was involved in all kinds of garbage as a teenager. And at 19 years old, I put my faith in Christ, and God began to radically transform me for the first six or nine months. And he saved me from a bunch of garbage. And I won't go into specifics, but there were a lot of things that were, that were highly destructive and deeply immoral going on in my life when I put my faith in Jesus. And after being saved for about six or nine months, God was showing me these things and removing them from my life this whole time, I would have a beer here or there, 19 years old. And I never thought anything of it. Like, I'm walking with Jesus, I'm reading my Bible, I'm saying yes, being delivered from all these much, much worse things. And one of my friends, he was at my house, and, 
And I was drinking a beer, and he said, you know, you're not 21 yet. And I was like, that's true. And he said, well, you're drinking a beer. And I said, yeah, you're right. And he's like, well, if you really want to, you know, follow God and what he says in the New Testament, you should submit to governing authorities, the New Testament says. And so you should really probably wait until you're 21 in order to follow the law and therefore do what God says in the Bible. And I was like, you know what, you're right. I never even thought of that. Like God had been delivering me from all this stuff that if I went into detail, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's worse. That's way worse. And so having a beer or two at age 19 didn't even occur to me that it was something that was not God's best for me until it did because the Holy Spirit used my friend to point it out. And that was the moment that the Holy Spirit expected me to take a step and put it away until I was of the legal age. Because the Holy Spirit expects you to say yes to what he's speaking to you about today. Because if God revealed all the sin in each of our lives, we would probably give up and want to die. But he's gracious. He's loving. And he shows us one thing at a time. And he says, follow me. Say yes to me in this area. Disciples say yes to the Holy Spirit's voice. And Paul goes on in verse 19. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The first thing I just want to point out about this passage is that as Christians, we tend to notice the big things, whatever we consider big in this passage. Ooh, sexual immorality and, and just things that we're like, that's bad. Well, wait a second, though. Jealousy's in there. Strife is in there. Fits of anger. Enmity, like being at odds with somebody. So, so God kind of has these all lumped together. And maybe in some ways the Christian church needs to rethink which sins we point at and say, oh, that's horrible, when uh, maybe it's all kind of horrible and we need a fresh dose of humility with the things that we too struggle with. So that was free. That was extra. Um, here's what this does not mean. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean, as a Christian, if I mess up in one of these ways, I lose eternity in heaven. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that as a genuine believer, if I walk away from the Lord, I lose my salvation because that would conflict with like the rest of the New Testament. But when we believe, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit guaranteeing our inheritance in the kingdom of God. We're sealed. Never, never leaves us. I will never leave you. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. But sometimes a person who plunges headfirst into these things was never really saved. That's, that's a possibility sometimes. But I have known genuine spirit-led believers who have lived like the world for a period of time and then come back to Jesus more committed than ever and said, yeah, I was a believer the whole time, but I, I, just, I just wasn't following. I had the Holy Spirit, but I just ignored him. 
In fact, in the very next chapter, Paul says in verse 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, if a believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You see, one can live in sin and still be a believer, still have the Holy Spirit. And so we just need to clear up a little confusion there. In verse 22, Paul continues, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Notice that this does not command us to crucify our flesh. It's already done. It's happened. It happened at the cross. We're already freed from sin's control. We can choose to go back to it. We can choose to stop walking with the Holy Spirit. But we've been crucified with Christ. It's happened. In verse 25, he says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And these words, keep in step, they literally mean to walk in cadence, like to a rhythm, like a march, or to a drum. The New Living Translation says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us also, or let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, because disciples say yes to the Holy Spirit's voice as He speaks to us, as He teaches us, as He leads us. It's a moment by moment surrender choosing a relationship with him over other things. And so church, I believe that God is calling us to begin moving forward again. Like a pickup truck stuck in a flooded intersection, God wants us to begin moving. And then whatever is in your way, or, or if you've kind of found yourself stalled in your spiritual development, that God wants you to start responding actively to the voice of the Holy Spirit once again today to say yes. Maybe you're here this morning or you're visiting with us online and you've not yet put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've just been checking the Christian thing out and maybe for a long time or maybe a little while. And this morning, I want to invite you to say yes to the Holy Spirit's voice, to put your faith in Jesus who died for you, rose from the dead and calls you to repent and believe, to say, God, I believe and I want to walk with you. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you have an area of your life that's specific, that you've just felt like, I can't get past this. And, and you, you had victory for a while, and then you fall back into it, and, and this cycle repeats itself, and it just feels hopeless. Area of your life where you want so badly to say yes, but you just cannot seem to move forward. It's blocked your path. And this morning, we want to invite you to say yes to the Holy Spirit in a fresh way. Or maybe you've just kind of stalled out You've been a believer for a long time and you don't know what God's teaching you. You haven't really been growing lately. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to begin saying yes to the Holy Spirit and move forward again. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to pray in a moment. And then after I pray, during the worship, we're going to invite you to be prayed for. And we're going to have a, a, I'm going to be down here, and we're going to have another, a couple down here, and we're going to have one in the back. It's kind of dark back there, but they're back there. And we want to pray for you during the worship that God would help you to begin moving forward in your spiritual journey in a fresh way. 
It's going to be a little loud because the worship's going, but it's okay. It's going to be awesome. And so I want to encourage you, if God is calling you to begin moving forward, to come and be prayed for, front pray together. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for all that you're doing at Grace Church, Lord. Thank you for another salvation this week. Thank you for 11 baptisms scheduled for Easter Sunday. And God, we pray that you would allow us to baptize 25 people on Easter. And we just ask that you would continue to lead us on and help us to walk in freedom and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit as disciples of Jesus. We trust you, God. We love you. And we're so thankful for all that you're doing. And we're so thankful for all the amazing things that you have planned in the future for Grace Church. We continue to pray for the Ukraine. God, bring peace. And we ask this morning that you would give courage to those who you're inviting to say yes by getting out of their seat and being prayed for. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hosting for this podcast has been brought to you by Anchor from Spotify. Our intro and outro song is Creative Mind by Ben Sound. From all of us here at Grace Church, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.